This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. You just knew going in at around like 5.36 o'clock. I actually got a text from Fleegs. As I was driving back from a terrific, terrific day of golf, we were like, wow, we got a loaded show today before we even get to any of the baseball that's going on because of the comments made by Christopher Johnson, which we'll get to in a little bit. The news coming out of the Big Ten, which we touched on just a moment ago, but we'll get into that a little bit more in detail. You got week two in the NFL, which is on the horizon. You got the conference finals in the NBA. On the horizon in the West, game two in the East, about to get going. And oh, by the way, the Islanders are trying to stay alive on Thursday night. But we begin this busy show, and we're loaded. We got a lot to talk about with the two baseball teams in town. And it is amazing to think about where the New York Yankees were just one week ago and where the New York Yankees are at right about now. It's truly remarkable. Last week at this time, I would have been coming on the air talking about Davey Garcia's good start, Cleber Torres with a couple of hits, and it felt like the Yankees had won for the first time in forever. They had snapped that five-game losing skid. Remember, they were 500 just a week ago. Well, since then, the Yankees have not lost. And my goodness, they have made quite the statement in these first two games against the Toronto Blue Jays. Toronto, who was ahead of the New York Yankees in the standings. Toronto, who had been playing really, really good baseball. Well, the Yankees so far have put a stop to that and just absolutely blowing their doors off over the first two games of this series. And up and down that Yankee lineup, the production has been everywhere. From DJ LeMayu, who is trying to win himself a batting title. And I know it wouldn't be your normal run-of-the-mill batting title, but still be pretty cool for him to be a guy to say, you know what, I've won a batting title in both leagues. He's done it in the National League. We'll see if he can stay hot over the next week, week and a half, and push Tim Anderson, who's having a great, great year for Chicago. And, oh, by the way, the same Tim Anderson who beat LeMayu out for the batting title last year. But LeMayu, three more hits, another home run, three RBIs. He's hitting 373 on the year. He is Basically picked up right where he left off last year and then some. LeMayu, I mean, give a blank check as far as I'm concerned. That's a guy who needs to be on the Yankees for a long period of time. Then you get to Quint Frazier, who said after the game that he was smiling ear to ear, even though you couldn't see it with the mask he's wearing, knowing that Aaron Boone had said he is the everyday left fielder 
And even with the return of Aaron Judge and the return of John Carlos Stanton, Quinn Frazier has a regular role on this team. He has two more hits. He hits another home run. He has an OPS now that's over 1,000. He's played great. It's a no-brainer to keep him in the lineup day after day after day. Then Kyle Higashioka, the home run stroker. Five RBIs, three hits, three home runs. And this was talked about after the game. And I think it's becoming more and more apparent. And I think it's becoming more and more obvious. There is a real strong working relationship between Garrett Cole and Higgy. And we've seen that from time to time with big-time pitchers. Eddie Perez had it, if you remember way back when, working with Greg Maddox. That was always his guy. A.J. Burnett, when the Yankees won the World Series back in 2009, they relegated Jorge Posada to the bench. Jose Molina caught A.J. Burnett and it worked out well. We saw it with Sonny Gray and Austin Roman. We saw it with John Flaherty and Randy Johnson. And I have to admit, normally my mentality on personal catchers is that I'm not a big fan. Talked about this last year with Noah Syndergaard. I'm not a big fan. But when you consider how poorly Gary Sanchez has played this year, to me, I've got no problem if for one of the three games in the postseason, the Yankees are going to run Higgy out there. I don't have a problem with it at all. Now, do I think Sanchez has had some better at-bats over the last week? Yeah, I do. He's not striking out nearly as much. He's trying to use the opposite field. Those are baby steps in the right direction. But, like, are we talking about benching the Gary Sanchez from 2016 to 2017? No. We're talking about the Gary Sanchez of right now. So who knows why Garrett Cole and Higgy have clicked? I don't think it was necessarily a Sanchez-Cole thing. I just think it's kind of a creature of habit, comfort level, that type of deal. We just roll with it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I would fully expect at this point the Yankees to be playing game one of that best of three series in about two weeks. And I think Higgy will be catching Garrett Cole. I expect that to be the case. And speaking of Garrett Cole, I told all of you listening, despite my frustrations with the way he had been pitching and the home runs and the performance not being the level that I maybe expected it to be, I wasn't the least bit worried. I wasn't the least bit concerned. You want to know why? Because a year ago with the Houston Astros, the numbers like seven starts in were basically exactly the same for Garrett Cole as what they were this year with the New York Yankees. And sure enough, what have we seen from Garrett Cole over his last two starts? Sure dominance. Seven innings, three hits, gives up the one earned run, strikes out eight, had a no-hitter going into the sixth inning, and my goodness, it felt like the yes broadcast outside of Coney and Paulie O'Neill, I, I guess it was just Ken. They were basically doing everything in their power to jinx the no-no. Now, maybe that's me being insanely superstitious, and I am insanely superstitious. And I know those guys got a job to do, so I'm, you know, just kind of nitpicking. But it, like, annoyed me to no end because I'm, like, watching the game saying, yeah, this is only a matter of time before a hit's going to happen. And sure enough, a buddy of mine texts me, oh, 
see what's going on in the Yankee game? I'm like, dude, you got to shut up. <laughs> I mean, that's just not a text that you send. For those of you, a little etiquette with no hitters, please. Keep quiet. Don't alert me to watch the game. I watch the games every single night. At least the guys on yes got a job to do. You're a buddy, your friend, whatever. You're reaching out? No. No better. Be better. But that all aside, Garrett Cole has looked terrific. And I guess the question for the Yankees is going to be, how do they try to line him up to start in game one of that best of three? Because he's scheduled to pitch on Monday. Did they push him back a day? You don't want him to go into that start on like nine or ten days rest. Not every guy's Masahiro Tanaka where that extra rest you know, suits him well. That's going to be one of the interesting challenges. But I want the Yankees making sure they are one of those top five seeds. And maybe they can make a run at the Minnesota Twins to get home field advantage. They are game back of Minnesota in the loss column. And they're two and a half back of Minnesota. So they have some work to do. They'd have to beat out the Twins by, you know, three games over the next two weeks. Can they do it? Maybe. But I would prefer to see the Yankees not on their way to Tampa Bay or not on a cross-country flight out to the West Coast before they have to go out to the West Coast anyway. Especially with the way Oakland has played them out in that ballpark over the last, I don't know, seven, eight years. The Yankees never seem to win out there. But it seems like everything is back to being A-OK in Yankee land. No more skies falling. No more the idea of them missing the postseason. Needed a good week. And they've gotten a good week. Judge is back. Stanton is back. Jurashella is back. Are the Yankees getting ready to hit their stride going into the month of October? I sure hope so. Now we get to the Mets, who had a game in which it was Jacob DeGrom against Zach Wheeler. And you know what the storylines are going to be there. Wheeler, the former Met. Wheeler, the one who got away. Comical to hear Met fans back in the offseason. Not all. Not all. I don't want to typecast here. But a select few who might have chirped on me on Twitter, might have, you know, called the show and made the argument that Porcello and Waka combined was going to give you better production than Zach Wheeler, which I found absolutely comical. And sure enough, Wheeler, seven and a third, three runs, does his job. But this looked like it was going to be a lost night for the New York Mets because two innings into this game, Jacob DeGrom is leaving the game. Gives up a couple runs. You see him wincing in pain on the bench and you find out it is something going on with his hammy. Turns out after the game, it's not too serious. It's nothing to worry about. He says he's going to make his next two starts. But nonetheless, every game means so much now to the Mets if they have any hope of making a postseason. Every moment, every game, so precious. And with Michael Walker coming in, and with the Mets down by four, I thought this game was the definition of a lost cause. Got to be fair to Michael Walker. For the first time all year, it felt like he made a positive contribution to the team. He gave him a good couple innings out of the bullpen. He kept the game within reach. And then the Mets' bats went to work. First against Wheeler, and then against that putrid, and I mean putrid, Philadelphia bullpen. And J.D. Davis 
Created pass. And he's been scuffling a little bit. You wanted to get him back going. He gets the double. He scores a run. He hits the two-run homer against Zach Willard. It gets him back in the ballgame. J.D. Davis was the hitting hero. And then in the ninth inning against Hector Neris, who is just god-awful. I mean, anytime I see Neris coming in the game, I basically am banking on the fact that he's going to go and score a run. Andre Jimenez, who's been very productive for the Mets. Base hit, giving the Mets the lead. And then the Met bullpen from Waka to Wilson to Castro to Diaz. A stupendous, stupendous job. Castro made some big pitches striking out the side in the eighth inning. And look, I'm not the biggest fan of Edwin Diaz. I still have not put him in a position in which I'm saying, yeah, he's in the quote-unquote circle of trust. Numbers this year have been good. And the Mets have done a good job of kind of easing him back. He's pitching a 171 ERA. He struck out 45 batters in, what, 21 innings of work. That's high quality. Got to be fair. Do you still have that trust level you might want to have with your closer? No, you don't. It's going to take a long time for Diaz to ever find a way to regain that amongst the fan base. That's how bad last year was. And in many ways, that's how bad the start of his year from the Red Sox outing to the Atlanta outing to that game against the New York Yankees. Like, there's just too many bad feelings for all of a sudden, wow, confidence level with Edwin Diaz. It's great. It's sky high. This one of the better Met wins of the year. Down 4 nothing, losing to Grom, finding a way to come back and win. It's a good win. But in reality, with where the Mets are at this point in the year, it means very little if they don't win on Thursday. That's just the harsh reality of their situation. If the Phillies behind Aaron Noah find a way to win and the Philly bats do enough against Seth Lugo, you lose a game on the Phillies. You're going to lose ground on whoever else is playing in the National League wildcard race and... The Marlins appear to be on their way to making the playoffs. They're three games over 500. They would have to really implode now to be on the outside looking in. Donnie Mattingly and company are going to make it. What a remarkable story that is. Don't look now. My Cincinnati Reds are only a game under the 500 mark, and they're in second place in the NL Central. So it's very possible Reds, Cardinals, Brewers, you may have three teams coming out of the Central. And then you have the Giants and the Rockies who are still hanging around. So the Mets need to get hot in a hurry. They need to win on Thursday. Then they need to win two out of three against Atlanta. They're at 22 and 27. Bare minimum, I think they got to get to that 500 mark. I do not think sub-500 baseball will get you into the postseason. Because you got to figure one of these teams is going to get hot. Who it's going to be, no idea. But you figure one of these teams gets going, gets cooking. You lose that game on Wednesday night, and the Mets are, what, 21 and 28? Season's over. 
I don't think anybody in their right mind would be thinking they're going to play well over the next week and do enough to get into the postseason. This was a must. Go get Thursday. Go get the weekend. And then come talk to me on Monday. Be within two games of a playoff spot. And at least you have something to play for. That's what the Mets were able to do on Wednesday night. They give you a reason maybe somewhat to watch on Thursday. Got to start somewhere. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.